Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. We are back with Doug Fine, author of American Hemp Farmer. We will take your calls with him next hour here. Doug, you were talking about hemp and food. Tell me about that. Well, hemp is a true superfood, George. It's um, Many people know it's got an ideal omega balance, a balance between omega-9, 6, and 3. Um, I'm a sort of a, a walking billboard uh, for it. We used it in my family as uh, prenatal uh, uh, care for my sweetheart, uh, who is a vegetarian, and uh, uh, she's you know robustly healthy. And our th- you know thank God our kids are healthy. And um, but beyond the omega balance, it also has a very high in minerals like magnesium. Um, two other really cool things I found in, in researching my recent book. One is hemp is a rare food source for a protein-building block called GLA, gamma-linoleic acid. It's associated with anti-inflammatory properties for a number of reasons in modern life. Many people have inflamed systems for various reasons. It could be air pollution. It could be prescription side effects. There's a lot uh, going on in our lives and our world these days. And uh, GLA is really associated with that, you know, documented, you know, mainstream academic double-blind studies, anti-inflammatory effects. So that's pretty cool. But the neatest thing I found was, and this is really preliminary research, this is not done yet, but a colleague of mine uh, has been doing research showing that uh, hemp may have uh, anti-obesity effects. It might inhibit the enlargement of lipid cells in our body, so eating a hemp diet might keep us thin. Is it, uh, taste good? It, it does. It's a, technically it's a nut. So I very much enjoy it. I tend to eat the hemp hearts, which is the D hold hemp seed. There's nothing wrong with whole hemp seeds, but the, the hemp hearts are just a, a real nutty, uh, delicious thing that I throw in yogurt, uh, or a shake. So I find it really tasty. You can also press the hemp seed, um, and, uh, and, uh, eat the hemp seed oil. And uh, people actually, believe it or not, like to put the hemp seed oil in their coffee. Where do people buy hemp, Doug? It's pretty much available uh, every place these days. And in other words, if you want, you can get it um, at uh, large chain stores. I think that just like fresh squeezed orange juice is going to beat out the taste of a frozen, I, I like to seek out in any region I'm in uh, the local farmers and, and what they're growing because I think it's going to be better quality. So I tend to go to the, the, the farmer's markets or the, or, or the food cooperatives and say, Who, what, what are the local guys growing? Um, but it, it truly, you could walk into any supermarket in the nation, and they're going to at least have hemp seed oil. The, the one issue, George, is that many people now, because of the CBD gold rush we talked about a little bit earlier, they're growing only female plants because they only want the female flower. That's where CBD lives. Ah, okay. I didn't I know that. Male and female because then you get seeds and you get the superfood as well. Back in St. Louis around 96, 97, when I was doing my local show, we did a program on a fellow who owned what was called a hemp mobile, and he was running his little car on hemp oil. You know, I have done that. Um, believe it or not, you'll love this. A friend of mine said, you know, we could solve petroleum with just hemp seed oil. 
we're going to drive my Mercedes limo around on hemp seed oil. And this limo has a backstory. He bought it used. It evidently used to be owned by Imelda Marcos. She of the, the Philippines. pairs of shoes. <laughs> I love it. And it works, by the way. You can drive on hemp seed oil. Um, if we have time, I'll just mention quickly. I think that the, the hemp power application is going to be in the form of supercapacitors. I think next-generation batteries are going to be made from hemp biomaterials. This sounds too good to be true. Folks can look it up on their own if, they, if, they, if it sounds uh, out there. There's research uh, done by a guy named David Mitlin, originally at the University of Manitoba, now at Clarkson College in New York, that indicates that the hemp fiber, when reduced to the nano level, outperforms any other known um, nanomaterial really? next-generation batteries, the kind of things that are going to be powering our phones, cars, and homes in the future. And why this is so important is that we don't really have a handle as Americans on the sources of these rare earth materials that are coming from places like China and Bolivia that go into our phones today. If, this, if, we, if we can't import them or if their supply runs out, we can't have our devices anymore. The fact that we could grow domestically our next-generation batteries kind of blows me away. Would these batteries last longer than what we've got to date? So the, su- the, the Excellent question. The supercapacitor part of the battery is not the actual part of the battery that holds the charge. What it is is it's the part of the battery that increases the charge uh, rate and the charge time. So what where, where the hemp fiber is revolutionary is where today we may have a couple of hours to charge a phone or if people have batteries charging their home electric, let's say, from solar power, that might take a day or two. Instead, your phone will take minutes and your house will take hours. Wow. Is there a downside to hemp, Doug? Is there anything that people could do that would be bad for them? As far as from the customer and consumer end, I don't think there's a downside. From the folks that are leaping in, I I want people to leap in because we need more farmers in this country. We need more people building soil, and and we need more hemp. Um, But I I hesitate to have people literally bet the farm on one crop because you're depending on Mother Nature, and it's a risk. It's a risk. How many acres do you need to make real good money with this? If you're growing for the flower, in other words, if you want to make a product that has the fashionable cannabinoids in it, the CBD, and there's a, one now that's kind of big called CBG, uh, also non-psychoactive. Um, you can actually make a viable living on one to three acres. Really? That's all? Yeah, because it's very, very high value. And that's if you do a value-added product. That's not if you're selling wholesale to a middleman. That's if you're going to get the full $50 a bottle yourself. But if you want to do what I like to do, the, the superfood and the fiber, you do need larger acreage. Uh, let's call it 30 to 50 acres if you want to grow a seed crop for food. So if a farmer's doing 500 acres, he might be doing real well with that then. Uh, absolutely. I can tell you that my good friend Roger Gushis of North Dakota, he has a company called the Healthy Oil Seeds that buys uh, seed from, from farmers. And for orga- certified organic seed, um, I believe, I, I don't want to misquote him, but he pays something in the neighborhood of two bucks a pound for seed. You can have a thousand pound harvest, that's average, for a seed crop. So if you're making $2,000 an acre and you've got 500 acres, 
uh, that is a million-dollar crop. This country has a variety of climates and temperate zones, and, of course, the Midwest is the hub for farm, farming in this country, Doug. Does hemp need to be in a certain location? Hemp is grown in every continent except for Antarctica. You're absolutely right that the heartland states, um, to, in some degree, have the easiest time of it because there are varieties of hemp that are adapted already to it. Um, and I was lucky enough to be asked to be uh, part of a several-year research project at the University of Hawaii, which is, let me tell you, not a tough job. Uh, see ya, honey, I'm going to uh, Hawaii to grow hemp. Uh, <laughs> but th- the point of it was, will, will hemp grow there? And in fact, it did. It grew uh, very well there, and hemp is a very adaptable crop. So I'm kind of bullish on it being able to be uh, grown everywhere. We have a CBD client, Doug, and... Uh... They have shown us how CBD can help people sleep better uh, without being drugged, and it just has some medicinal properties. How would you compare it to cannabis in terms of its medicinal abilities? I would say if you're speaking strictly about CBD, you know, this very important but only one of 110 known cannabinoid compounds that are in the hemp cannabis plant, if you're talking just about CBD, I would say that what you're describing, that relaxing quality and the clarity quality is there, but it is non-psychoactive, um, so you're not uh, getting high and feeling the urge to you know, dance to the Grateful Dead, but you are feeling um, a very, very uh, relaxed and focused. I, myself, have a daily diet of uh, hemp flour and hemp seed. I, I eat both of them every day. And I eat it in very small amounts. So I don't eat it in the morning in order to go to sleep. I eat it in the morning just as part of my health maintenance plan, and I find it energizing. Everybody's body's going to be different, but um, you're generally speaking, and I want to give medical advice, generally speaking, you're safe to at least try a low amount, very start very low amount uh, of a hemp product. My recommendation would be... Um, to go for what they call a whole plant extract rather than just isolated CBD that you'd find at the corner drugstore at the Quickie Mart, I wouldn't go for that. I would go for a local farmer that has extracted all of the compounds in the plant. And if it's hemp, if it's a legal hemp product, it won't have any kind of significant THC in it, so you won't be getting high. And when you eat it in a flour form, what do you do with it? I mean, how do you cook it up or, or make something with it? I'm lucky in that I'm a producer, so I get to eat what I make. And what I do is um, I grow the, 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 the crop, and um, I grow what they call dioecious hemp, meaning males and females. So I have seed on the plant as well as flower. So the seed comes off. You, you remove the seed at harvest. You press that seed into hemp seed oil, which is a superfood. And then I infuse the flower product into that hemp seed oil, in a process called decarboxylation, which is, if you really want to be technical, it's heating up at a 210 degrees for 90 minutes, and that extracts huh. cannabinoids and terpenes that are in the plant into the hemp seed oil, so you got a real superfood product. What was it in 2018, Doug, that got it legalized finally again? What kind of lobby pushed for it, and what was the reason for it? There was a t- tipping point in Congress it's amazing how this tipping point phenomenon works. Ten years ago, you had something like, I can't remember, 60, 70% of Americans supporting legalization of all parts of the cannabis plant. 
and literally not one U.S. senator that was in support of it. And suddenly, by 2018, hemp was an easy vote in Congress, and it, it's an easy vote today. Uh, you get uh, uh, the majority of Congress. It's a rare bipartisan uh, cross-platform issue. Almost no opponents uh, of hemp. One of the reasons for this is that some of the more traditionally conservative parts of the nation have a hemp history that people remember. There are still people alive who remember being hemp farmers. So uh, that's what's making it easy for the Kentuckys and the Tennessees of the world to support it. Is hemp legal in every state, even though it's legal federally? Not every state. Very nearly every state. Uh, At last count... um, if you're talking about really active states where there are really significant hemp farmers planting significant acreage, we're at about 30 states. Much more, though, than marijuana, I bet. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that we're going to see full legalization of cannabis. And, and to be honest, that's going to help the hemp industry. Right now, the, the biggest issue that is hampering the hemp industry is the, admittedly, by the researchers who call, defined it, the arbitrarily low THC definition of hemp of 0.3% THC, the hemp, the cannabis plant doesn't want that little amount. It wants a little bit more than that. And so there's an there's a move on now to to uh, change the definition of hemp to at least 1% THC, which is still unbelievably low. Nobody's sure. getting high on 1% THC, but the hemp farmers need it because the plants are can, coming back. 40 tests, 40% of the tests are coming back in that 0.5, 0.6, 0.7, and the farmers who are struggling to begin with are having to destroy their crops. Prior to legalization, Doug, was hemp considered a drug at all? Um, it was. Any cannabis plant at all that was cultivated in the U.S. prior to the 2018 Farm Bill uh, was in the Controlled Substances Act. In fact, it was a Schedule One felony, meaning considered more dangerous than heroin or cocaine. Oh, my God. Really? Yep. How did that happen? Man, you know, you may have hit on it earlier in the show when you said that there were uh, forces out there that didn't want to see it it in in the above-ground economy. A lot of people without education about the products uh, make these assumptions that aren't true, and, uh, and they run with it. And with our politicians... They're absolutely petrified to be cornered saying, you approve a drug or something like that. They're scared. And that's why I try to wear the patriotism hat when I talk about hemp, because, you know, I'm a guy who lives remote, farms the land, homeschools his kids, pays his taxes, votes in elections, and I grow hemp, as did George Washington. In fact, I am so lucky. Last year, Dean Norton, who runs the, uh, the George Washington's Mount Vernon's farm uh, estate, uh, out there in Virginia, invited me out there, gave me a sickle. A sh- Let me tell you, these colonial harvest tools, man, they are sharp. I cut myself uh, on my thumb harvesting hemp with him on George Washington's land, and it's in George Washington's journals. He loved cultivating hemp. Do you, do you cultivate hemp primarily for yourself, or do you sell it as well? I do have a commercial product, but I do very small product runs because my living, I'm a journalist and an author, so my living is not dependent on my product. I primarily grow the product that I want and my, my family wants to use that we enjoy the most. Um, but I market it because I'm trying to walk the walk, uh, not be one of those pundits who just 
tells people what to do without ever trying, trying to, to it on the line. I want it, to see, is it hard to process? Is it hard to grow? Is it hard to bottle it? Is it hard to, you know, what is the price point at which you can make a living from this? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.